Anyone who has ever experienced a mental health challenge knows all too well just how dark and how lonely a journey that can be. But you know, just like any journey, the road can get you to a better place. And yes, along the way, inevitably, you will hit the occasional bump in the road. Hi, I'm John Milkey, the Milkman, and welcome to Bumps in the Road, a podcast I'm doing from inside a 28-foot RV that was gifted to me by my social media followers and my radio audience each of whom believed in this project from day one. So, I'm traveling to community events and live and location broadcasts across Canada, and soon, the USA. So keep listening for details on where we're headed next. And if we're coming your way, I'd love to invite you into the BTRV for mental health so we can hear about your journey and how you're still going strong, even after hitting a few of those bumps in the road. So come on in. Let's have a conversation. Sarah Weiss is an elite athlete. She's a pickleball player. She's also a mom. She's an author. She's a life coach. And she has an unbelievable story to tell. A story that wasn't told to me in the BTRV for mental health, but rather on a live stream on my Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch channels. But there are certainly a lot of mental health components to this conversation. And I felt it was important to post it here on Bumps in the Road, the podcast. It's to do with all the obstacles that life puts in your way, how people who don't even know you can affect you, how one can grow up in completely the wrong body, but find their way to happiness. She's incredible. Please meet Sarah Weiss. Let me start by wishing you a happy Mother's Day because I, I saw, God, just joyful moments. You and you've got two daughters. I do. They're my world. They're everything to me. They they bring so much joy. I mean, if you haven't had kids yet, go have some, you know, especially making them is fun. So, well, that's the thing I'm, I see. I'm working on that. So I'm still am practicing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you're very, very blessed. How old are they? They're eight and one's turning 10. So oh, you know, we're going to consider her 10. She's just a, a little woman. I, it's crazy. Now, you were brought to my attention because we have a mutual friend. I want to say hi to Robin right now. And Robin has an amazing ability to put people together when they belong to be together. And I think there's a huge opportunity here. We'll get into a lot of different discussions, but let's just bring it back to the reason why Robin thought it was time for you and I had you and I to have a conversation. You, you're an elite athlete. You, you excel at a sport that I'm just hearing about and just discovering now called pickleball tell me about pickleball because it's it's tennis it's ping pong it's and i said this to you the other day i hadn't really seen it until i walked by the local tennis courts and there was somebody out there and i thought oh isn't that cute they're so anxious to play tennis they've set up their own net so they couldn't even wait for the city to do it turns out no pickleball requires its own modified version of the net the rackets were were modified and i couldn't make sense of this ball it looked like a softball they were hitting so mm. walk us through pickleball sarah weiss doesn't it just feel good to say just pickleball <laughs> well and then there's that <laughs> yeah. isn't that great it, it is it's got to be the most provocative sport out there it's first of all it's called pickleball and you can get pickled in pickleball and you can dink in the kitchen. You can bang from the kitchen, bang and dink in the kitchen. It's it's very provocative. Sarah, listen, you know <laughs> me. You're getting hot and bothered, are you? <laughs> <laughs> 
you've heard me on the radio since the Cool FM days and the Bob FM days. I had yes. no idea that you, you and I had, had that, you know, that you would even listen to the show. You know that that plays right into my hand, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I, I like right. to get you all randy. <laughs> is that a pickleball term, too, or is that just you being uh, No, that's just me. That's just me. All right. But, yeah, pickleball is so much fun. Oh, my God. I say, okay, so my, my ex-husband took me to a court that he thought he was going to teach me tennis on. And we, we never had been to this court and he pulls me out of the court and he's like, let's, let's play this game. And we walk on and he's like, this, some, some, something's not right here. This doesn't seem right. It seems small. I'm like, I, I don't know. You're just going to hit the ball or what? He's like, no, something's not right. And he just, he hits the ball to me and he's got this like puzzled face on uh, like the whole time. And uh, at the end of it, he's like, I got to find out what the heck's going on. Cause this is not a tennis court. And we found this this board that had a picture of a racket and a picture of a very BDSM looking paddle. <laughs> Again, you had me at hello. <laughs> Wait, hold on. There we go. Now we're talking. Yeah, not like that. Not like that. No, it looked like, uh, you know, a, this interesting hard paddle. That's a whole other oh, sport. That is kind of that, cute. That's the badminton of pickleball. Right. <laughs> That has uh, other uses, but so does the the pickleball paddle. We'll talk with that, I think. <laughs> so we went home. We we did some research, and we found out that there are like pro athletes at this sport called pickleball. And we too were like pickleball. Like what? All <laughs> uh, 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 right. Yeah. What is this weird thing? Uh, so we did the research. We looked it up. We're like, should we try this? I'm like, I don't know. We, yeah, sure. Let's go. You know, I don't really care about sports. Sports were never my thing. You know, I grew up in Canada and I never cared about hockey. My friends would go skating and play play on the rinks. And I'd be like, eh, meh, whatever. But I'm like, okay, let's let's play. It's something we can do together. It'll be so fun. Bonding moment. Sure. And <laughs> we got this wiffle ball. So it's not a softball. It's a wiffle ball like with a bunch of holes in it. Hard plastic and a paddle so i picked up the stupid wiffle ball and this stupid hard paddle and i hit it and like instantly fell in love with pickleball it's so what that was about the moment you hit that wiffle ball with that paddle then because it has to it has to feel different than you know when you're playing tennis or squash or any of the other racket sports how did you know in that moment that this is just something i really really enjoy <sighs> Oh, man, I don't know the sound of it, the feel of it. It's I, I can't really tell you what it was. It was just like love at first hit of the ball. I, I don't know. <laughs> That'll be the title of the movie. When we tell the story of Sarah's life. Yeah. Yeah. No, whatever it was, it got me hooked. And, you know, I was really frustrated in the beginning of it because my ex-husband, who, you know, loved tennis, just kicked my ass. He just couldn't help but beat me up around the court i'm like yeah congratulations you're you're real good you're real good can you, can you hit me the ball instead of trying to beat me up and then he he literally he's like okay i'll hit you the ball and he started to like gently like a teasingly like here you go sarah and uh you know a few <laughs> months later i was kicking his butt <laughs> okay all right um I, I, more to come as Sarah explains her sport, pickleball, to us. Chrissy's trying to understand. She says, so you hit it in the net? I have no clue. Played squash and racquetball before. No, you don't hit it into the net. No. So I guess what you could kind of think of it as is like uh, a mix of tennis and ping pong. So it's like a hard paddle that you're hitting this ball over the net on a smaller tennis court, basically. And obviously, you're not using a tennis ball. You're using this harder ball. So the way it bounces and, and kind of behaves with the paddle uh, is similar to ping pong. Yeah. When I walked by that the other day, I, I you know, I noticed it right away. The, the sound of the ball 
when it gets hit and when it bounces is very, very different. Wiffle ball yeah. is a good explanation. So it's a harder plastic, not as heavy as a softball, but about that shape yeah. and unbelievable. So how did you end up? Um, I mean, you said, you know, there are people who play this professionally. You ended up and are, I, I assume still a professional pickleball player. Well, I'm not at the pro level yet. I'm just okay. under it, but right. I am, I am a, pl uh, I, I was You're right there. You are an elite. I'm athlete. on the cusp. I'm on the cusp. Okay. All right. I, I feel pretty professional about it, but um, yeah. So I've been playing now for just, uh, just about two years and I move, I started moving up really quickly. I started like really wanting to get better and better and better. So I found a bunch of um, retirees, we'll say, <laughs> And they welcomed us into their their group, and you know they're they're slow and they're like bionic arms and they're wearing all the gear and everything. And you know I'm yeah, at the time I was 33, and uh, me and my husband go on there and we're just like kicking their butts. We're like, oh, we're really good at this game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nothing like playing against people three times your age to give you a boost of confidence when it comes to your athletic prowess. Yeah, yeah, and then eventually we we played some people who knew what they were doing, and we're like, oh, oh, not so good. Reality <laughs> check. All right, but yeah. you really fell in love with this, and I'm intrigued as well by the fact that um, I'm based in Ottawa. You're based in Ottawa as well. So I mean, obviously, I mean, is there a, a sizable pickleball community in Ottawa? Because you hear about it a lot in, in in you know like the southern states, retirement communities especially. You just talked about you know you found you know some elderly people or older people to play with, uh, and it's a it seems to be a sport that is really really big with you know fit but senior older people. I'm trying to be very careful with my words, not piss anybody off. Uh, so I mean, yeah, Ottawa's been growing pretty fast with it. Uh, I've been you know part of this for two years and in the two years it's been explosive the actual now current average age of people playing pickleball and there is a reported 36 million people in just america alone playing wow. pickleball saying they've at least played it uh, the average age is 35 and when you go to these tournaments down south and and you know the big tournaments you see the 19 plus category these 19 year olds 20 year olds these big tall athletes who are coming in hard and fast like the game has evolved it's not just like you know hitting the ball over the net these people are attacking and going crazy on it uh, so yeah it's getting pretty serious in ottawa it's it's moving up pretty quickly there's a bunch of places to play the okay. club I, I i'm at i'm a club at a member at two clubs and one of them has 14 courts on it all lined up two lines of two rows of seven wow. when you get there it is just it's like therapeutic hearing the the dinking ding 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 of, of the ball it's <laughs> i do love the dinking sarah is the pickleball court because i've seen it played on a tennis court is the pickleball court um set up differently is it kind of like a soccer field within a football field or do you just do you play within the same lines that would be on a tennis court so you can put pickleball lines on a tennis court but no they don't match up or anything like and the net of a tennis a tennis net is higher so you would bring uh you'd tighten it down and bring it down a little bit uh, but it's best played on its own dedicated pickleball court especially for us pickleball snobs <laughs> pickleball snobs uh by the way i see that a good number of your friends are chiming in and sending me friend requests on facebook right now um for people uh who are friends of sarah's if you happen to be tuning this in and you're not friends with me you can also tune it in on the blast the radio facebook page if you go to blast the radio uh you'll see it there or twitch.tv slash blast the radio and if i've done everything correctly 
I think I got the stream on a little late, Sarah, but I think we're on now. So people are actually, well, people are commenting. There's Rob. He says, there's a pro pickleball circuit in the South. Also, a friend of mine loved the game from the first time she played as well. So this has become a real passion for you. And you have been playing in the States as well in some of yes. the biggest tournaments as you climb your way up. Yeah. And they're really fun. Like here in Canada and Ottawa, the tournaments are getting bigger, but like, I think the biggest tournament I was at here in Canada, which was in Kingston had just under a thousand people entered. That was the Canadian nationals, but I just went to a tournament in the States and there were 3000 players and 40,000 people through the gate at that tournament. Unreal. It's getting big. Unreal. So have you always been an athletic person in your life? Like as a kid, were you athletic and playing sports? Yes, I didn't. So, so I played middle school volleyball and I always, I've always loved being healthy and fit. So I've, I've lived at the gym for many yeah. years. Like I, I traded <laughs> actually as COVID hit, I was training for my very first uh, bikini competition and COVID shut it down. I was so sad. Oh. I was crying about that. But during COVID I traded building my booty for playing pickleball. <laughs> <laughs> so this person that you are in life, by the way, what, what line of work <laughs> this you person been? you are in life, yeah, that, are that person, <laughs> there's, so, there's so many facets to you. I don't even know where to put picking this all apart and putting it back together again, which you're going to have to do. Um, I'm Picasso. <laughs> once, once you got through high school, et cetera, what, what line of work were you in? What were you doing before you found pickleball that sort of gave that, I'm assuming your full attention? Uh, all kinds of things. You know, I've done a bikini pickleball. There we go. The good combination. <laughs> Johnny. Great call, Johnny. Great call. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're, you're onto something. Bikini pickleball. Like I could make something happen, but uh, what was I up to? Uh, you know, I've always been kind of, you know, very articulate and into sales. I learned a lot in sales. I read all the the great books like um, How to Win Friends and Influence People, leadership books, Think and Grow Rich. Um, so network marketing was a big thing for me. And, uh, you know, any products that had to do with health and fitness, that was always good for me. Like I, I love being healthy and fit and mentally and emotionally well. Uh, so I did a lot of that. I worked some retail. Uh, I've started my own companies. I've done, I, I still am a life coach. I coach people, uh, high performance mindset stuff. Like how, Gee, Sarah, where was I leading the conversation to? Is, yeah. <laughs> life coach stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And I but, love it. I love, love, yeah. love seeing people elevate their lives. So being a life coach requires you to have some life experience. Um, and, and, and so I want to lob another thing in into the conversation here you've also written a book which came first though the book or your work as a life coach or were they one and the same they kind of came out together uh nerd <laughs> i can see the comments so I, you're gonna catch me off guard sometimes but yes um so i definitely did the book like as i was launching my coaching practice you know, I was really looking at my life. I was doing a lot of introspection and self-evaluation, getting over the, um, what do you call it? Like the, the feeling like a fraud, like, I, should I be qualified to teach people how to live their lives? You know what I mean? The yeah. imposter syndrome kicked in hard. 100%. And I, in, in, yeah. in any walk of life, I think, you know, you look back at yourself and go, what makes me an expert? Like I've been in radio, I've been in radio since I was 13 years old. I run the number one website for the radio industry in Canada. I'm on 42 stations, you know, across the USA, including hosting daily on one. I've got my own internet radio station. I, I mean, 
you know, I've got shows that are out there for syndication. And yet every single day, I'm like, what makes me qualify to speak on any level? Well, that. <laughs> <laughs> we got to remind ourselves that we're badasses, you know? Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But you're, so, you're, you're quite a bit younger than I am. So for you to realize, you know, this early on in life that, no, I need to put my thoughts and my experiences already down into a book because somebody somewhere is going to read this and learn something from this and i can inspire uh johnny adds that nerds rule yes we do johnny um you know and well, then to roll that into being a life coach I, I mean so you're mentoring other people now are you mentoring strictly athletes as a life coach or are you okay i mentor all kinds of people but i should probably say you know how did this book come to be i was convinced to write it by les brown if you don't know who Les Brown is, I've been following him since I was 16. He is one of the top motivational speakers in the world. He's got an incredible, incredible story. And like, if you look him up, this guy is a big deal. I saw him at an event and I was like, oh my God, Les Brown is speaking here. Well, I'm like, I'm a super nerd about whatever I do. So I geek out on whatever I commit to. So at the time it was network marketing and we were at this big convention and he's on stage and I'm like feverently writing everything he says down and it's, it's lunchtime. So everyone leaves and I'm still in my notepad. I'm like hyper-focused ADHD to the max, like writing, writing, writing. <laughs> and I look up, everyone's gone. I'm like, oh, and right in front of the stage is Les Brown with two people in front of him. I'm like, oh my God, I just got up and I beelined right to him. Like, Les Brown, hi. Wow. He looks at me, he's like, girl, you got charisma. I'm like, oh yeah? <laughs> I'm just like, I fangirled. And um, he, he gave me his card. He's like, email me. I would love to talk to you. Long story short, we, we got to know each other and at a couple different events, I would say hello. And, and he called me one time after the second event that I saw him at. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm like, ah, Les Brown called me. And I told him a little bit about my story. He's like, oh my gosh, you need to write a book. And this was on a call. And I was like, oh yeah, everyone tells me that. And like, okay, bye. Next time I see him at the third event, I call him before the event starts. He's like, girl, come up to my suite. And I go and I hung out with him and I'm sitting down telling Sarah, him more about my story. Sarah, you should never go to a <laughs> I ain't going to tell you all the details. No, no, <laughs> nothing <laughs> bad nothing happened. From Louis CK. <laughs> it was just a little dinking in the kitchen, you know, some, some driving I, and banging. <laughs> perfectly innocent. Right. No, but you know, he's, he's telling me his story and he's like, you know, I, I, I want to interview you. Like, why haven't you written a book yet? I'm like, cause I'm not a writer. He's like, get a ghostwriter. Don't, don't give me excuses. G do what you got to do. And I was like, Oh, I guess I should do it. And I did call a ghostwriter and I hated what they were doing. I'm like, no, no, I got to do it. I got to do it. So I wrote this book and I had good editors edit it and make it sound like I'm not uh, like a kindergartner. <laughs> Cause honestly, I'm not a writer, but I have a good story. And it, it all happened at the same time as I started my, my coaching company. So it all kind of came together and it worked very well. It was really neat. I mean, you are not a kindergartner. You are very articulate and you're obviously very smart and you have found your way to unbelievable <laughs> success as a coach and now as a pickleballer. Um, and you were in, here it comes Sarah. You ready? Um, uh -oh. you, you were, you were in Florida. Where, where all interesting things seem to happen lately. Uh -huh. um, when was this? Like a couple months ago, I guess? Uh, yeah, it was in April. So not, so, not, okay, very so not even ago. a month ago. 
you're at a tournament and I should have brought uh, a helmet. <laughs> <laughs> and and if if you had won this tournament, would that have moved you up the the pickleball ladder, so to speak? Yeah, I, I guess so. I mean, everything you do is kind of affecting your rating. One week's so next. okay. Yeah, so my official ratings are, you know, they're calculated by algorithms based on your performance at your tournaments. And I didn't win any medals, but my rating did go up a little bit during that tournament. And it continues to kind of steadily rise closer and closer to my goal of going pro. And you were playing mixed doubles, correct? Mixed and women's doubles. Mixed and women's doubles. Correct. Okay. And you're at this tournament. And somebody finds something out about you that you already knew but was inconsequential to you mm -hmm. suddenly it became an entire storm yeah i'm still riding that that storm it uh it feels it feels like i'm not in kansas anymore that's for sure <laughs> so and if i understand this correctly even your male pickleball partner was not aware of this part of you Correct. No, no. And, and that partner who I was going to play with, I met a year before when I went down to Florida and I was playing some pickleball and he ended up in the same group and he was just like blown away. He's like, where are you from? Oh, my God. Uh, I'm like, I'm from Canada. He's like, you need to get down here and play here because this is where the capital of pickleball is and you need to enter tournaments. And like, I would love to introduce you to people. And he was like blown away by me. And he was such a such a nice guy. So we ended up playing a tournament in Daytona Beach. We'd play many games together. And in Daytona, we did all right, but we didn't do that great. Didn't get any medals, but uh, had a lot of fun, met a lot of cool people. I went home a better pickleball player. And then it was time for the US Open. And uh, some news dropped that made him go, ooh. So... Y'all are getting to know Sarah a little bit. We've been on the air now having a conversation for about 26 minutes. What? I think, I think 26 all, minutes? <laughs> I, I think we can all agree that Sarah is the real deal. Um, she is the real deal. But the revelation that was dropped, and I'm just going to rip the Band-Aid off. Sarah, and I know you hate this term. I know you hate this term, and we're going to get into why. And I, and, I, and I absolutely, I'm all in for your explanation as to why you hate this term. Um, Sarah is trans. That somebody dropped as you were about to take the court with your partner and your partner did not know this. No. Despite no. that close relationship that you would have to have, that symbiotic relationship that you would have to have, you know, being in each other's heads, you know, and it just it just didn't come up in conversation. And oh. and get this, I stayed at his, his and his wife's house twice once uh, for daytona beach and another for that tournament like he messaged me all the time with motivational things for athletes and stuff and we, we would speak on the phone you know, we weren't just like show up at a tournament play some games and go home we're really close friends and when he oh thank you johnny appreciate that when he found out he called me and he's like oh my god i see what's going on on twitter like you gotta sue them for personal defamation this is this is terrible you got to prove that they're wrong and he kept talking i'm like whoa 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 they're wrong about what well that that you're transgender I'm like yo yeah well i i, I guess i am <laughs> he's like what 
<laughs> he's like, w what do you mean? Like, you were born a, a different gender than you are currently? I'm like, uh, yeah, yes, yep, yep, yep. And he just kind of, he was stuttering, didn't really know how to handle that. And um, next day, which was our event, he texts me a half an hour before with this long written out text. And, uh, and I'll, I'll, I'll say this, he was really nice about how he worded it. But the context of it was, um, I'm going to drop out because I believe we'd be cheating. <sighs> yeah. Now, as a logical, intelligent person, what was your reaction to that? Did you understand that? Was it confusing to you? Sir, I mean, absolutely. I, I, it had to be upsetting. Logical, intelligent. You're talking about someone else or me? No, I'm talking about you. <laughs> Uh, so it, it was it was all the feelings i mean at that moment i was dealing with like i was not in a great headspace i was in a very kind of dark hole mentally well you were um, attacked you were attacked if you see what was said on twitter and i'm not on twitter and i guess oh well thank you estelle i really appreciate that um yeah if you saw what was on twitter you would see this this was dark this was nasty about half a million people were engaging and sharing and retweeting and commenting and it was nasty my god these would be people who wouldn't even be following pickleball they couldn't describe the sport that you just described a short time ago they would know nothing about it they just they they are this this community on the internet who just latch on to something for God knows what reason. And they just have to take it to levels that are obscene. It was obscene and it hurt. Um, and like, I was wondered if I would ever get out of, cause I mean, like I wrote a book and in my book, I do talk about it. Um, and right. I, so like, you weren't beating over people over the head with this fact. No, no. You in fact, I, I love being under the radar. I just want to live a normal life. As much as like I have a voice and I love public speaking <laughs> trolls, yes, those things. Uh, I love being on shows like this. I am articulate. I, the, there is a gift I have, and it's being able to you know articulate thoughts and feelings into words that make sense for people. But I don't shove my past in down people's throats. In fact, like I don't even identify with that label that we mentioned, the T word, transgender. I'm not afraid of the word and I, I embrace my past. I'm not ashamed of my past. I I love me. I really am I'm comfortable with who I am. I am healthy mentally, emotionally, physically as well. But you know, when this came out, I was like, uh, yeah, not a lot of people actually knew this about me, including my mixed doubles partner. So when he sent that message, mm -hmm. I was upset and I could understand. So it was a lot of mixed feelings, but uh, in that moment I was hurting. So I was like, fine, good riddance. I, I blocked him on social media and I was just, I was in pain. I was Were hurting. his reasons for not wanting to go forward with the tournament and obviously with the, the partnership, um, was it because he didn't want to be around that firestorm? There's another word for it. Okay, shitstorm. Um, or or was it strictly he was just uncomfortable playing with someone? Um, that is, he thought you were born the gender you are now, uh, and, and he just couldn't handle the surprise. Where where does his where do his feelings lie on that? 
Oh, you know, there's definitely a part of that being, you know, he didn't, he didn't want to be a part of the, the shit storm, so to say, uh, who, who would, who would want to be part of that? I guess the crazy people who did play with me, luckily, you know, someone stepped up and, and filled his, his role. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. So you did get to play despite, oh, okay. I did. In fact, oh, well, I'll tell you, it's a beautiful story. There's, there's so much beauty to what happened at that event. Um, you know, when so I went, just the Coles notes. The Coles notes being, you know, I went to sleep and I saw this and I, I, I was crying and I was like shaking. And the next day that I went to the tournament, um, it was four women's doubles and people were coming up to me like I saw what's going on. They're hugging me and taking pictures. And honestly, I didn't experience any negativity at, at the tournament. Well, the day that he backed out, I went to the tournament um, deciding I'm not going to hide because I wanted to hide. As soon as he backed out, I'm like, fuck this oh, place. Oh, I get it. I'm like, I fucking hate Florida. I fucking hate everything. And I was like, I was in a dark place. Sure. And people were messaging me and they're like, this isn't who you are. Remember who you are. And I was like, I'm a coach. Like, okay, I got to coach myself here. What would I do if I were coaching me? I would say, first of all, just show up. Just go show up. Get out of your head and show up. And I did. And I made a post saying, you know, my partner dropped out and a flood of people from Ottawa, tournament directors and people around were like, let's get you a partner. And people stepped up and uh, someone came up to me and they're like, oh, I know this guy who wants to play with you. And and I was like, I don't even know if they'll let me. So I went and this is like half an hour before I'm supposed to play. I went to the the tent where you register and I was like, so this is the scenario. Um, can I, you know, enter with a new partner? And they're like, you talk to her. And I went and talked to this lady and she's like, oh, um, well, you know, typically if someone drops out, you got to have a new partner 6 p.m. the night before. But Sarah, I know who you are and I know what you're experiencing right now. And we're going to get you in. Oh, and, she, and she's like can I hug you? <laughs> and she hugged me and I, I was crying, <laughs> got all sappy. Um, and she, she stepped up and let me, let me play with, with this new partner. And we had a blast. It was amazing. We won a bunch of matches. We didn't medal, but it was, it was an incredible experience. People were coming up to me to take pictures. I was like a mini celebrity and nobody confronted me. Like I thought in my head, like if I go to this tournament, are people going to you know, confront me or my partner or, or anything? And I was like, I, I got there. And I'm like, I just want to be invisible. I was, it was there's really nobody weird. sitting in the audience that was, you know, yelling things at you, etc. That's no. really to hear. Thank That's God. amazing. Yeah. That is amazing. Um, okay. There are so many intricacies to this, to this story. Um, and that's kind of, it was that tournament that, that led Robin, our mutual friend to say, um, Sarah, you, cause you, you didn't, you didn't want to be poster child for this. You just want to be Sarah mom to two beautiful daughters, wife, coach, um, book writer, pickleballer. You, you didn't sign up for any of this circus that all yeah. of a sudden was around you. And Robin felt that for some reason, I would be a good person for you to have a conversation with. And that's kind of where you and I, you know, got together for the first time. Even it's ridiculous. We didn't know each other before because we have so many friends in it's common. Wild. It's crazy, it's wild, right? Yeah. We live in the same city. You live in the same neighborhood as my parents. I mean, like, you know, and on and on and on and on and on. That's a whole other conversation, but I'm grateful for it because, you know, you felt, you felt comfortable right away having a conversation with me. It was like we were old time friends. Um, and, but since then, because you hadn't really told your story, you just decided, fuck it. I'm going to own this. If this mm -hmm. is what people want to talk about. Okay. I'm going to put myself out there and we're going to talk about it, but I know you well enough, even in the short time to know 
that you have an end date for this. This conversation about this little whirlwind right now, you have an end date to this, and it's going to just be enough. We're moving on. I want to talk about, though, um, the conversations that I saw once I was invited into your world surrounding the whole you know, she's trans and she's playing as a woman. And here we go again. How many times have we seen these stories? Swimmers that are trans and should they be competing in the Olympics, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And look, I'm not going to change anybody's mind. You're not going to change anybody's mind on this. I hope we can at least bring them a little bit to a different point of view than they had well, before. There are three types of people. And this is why I have accepted what I'm doing. There are the informed the uninformed and the uninformable. There are people who just don't care what we have to say. They're going to stick to their science and facts and their religious, That's whatever. That's why they... I chose to not start this conversation by going, here's my trans friend, Sarah, because right. they would have just been gone in a heartbeat. Yeah. So, and, and they're uninformable and uh, there's nothing I'm going to do to, to, to expand their perspective. And I've met some of them just, you yeah, know, one yeah. comment on Sarah's page. <laughs> Woo! And that's even beyond uninformable. Some people just get off on trying to hurt others. It's it's crazy. And but you know, my think, goal here. I think that I think is the bigger conversation. Yes. This where, has become where do people how did we get to a point where this is even a thing? What is the fascination with with being able to just destroy somebody? What what benefit like why is that pleasing to some people so this is where i've found myself now this really was about me just getting to play pickleball when i came home i did a video about it, it got a lot of views on facebook over thirty thousand views just you know should i play in the female events i wanted to see the response and i you know i shared my experience and all this stuff and then it, it became like okay well i gotta i gotta figure out where i belong like how can i you know help and 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 change the people's perspectives just by sharing who I am. Like, how do you hate someone you don't know? You got to get to know me. So once you get to know me, maybe you won't hate on me so much. And you, you'll get to know that, yeah, I belong in the women's events, but that's just my opinion. But what I've experienced. No, go ahead. What I've experienced over this past few weeks, not just for myself, but watching others who are fighting a similar battle and the youth and the children, this is, this is much bigger than me now. This is not about pickleball. This is not about trans athletes. This is about discrimination and hate towards people that are different to someone. Based on your lack of education about us, I now, I feel very, very called to stand with love for people who can't stand for themselves. And I am, like I said, I'm in love with this sport, pickleball. It's all about pickleball to me. But I have to do this. This is like my side quest. I'm a bit of a geek for video games. And this is my side quest to stand up for people because the abuse that is happening, mainly by keyboard warriors in the online space, it's it's less in person. Right, but they'd never say this to your face, would they? No one has. Right. Nobody has. That's but the what, thing. what I'm seeing is just despicable. It's despicable. And I now know that the voice that I was given by God, universe, source, whatever you want to call it, what aliens. I was given. There are aliens. Aliens, yeah, the spaghetti they're monster, they're whatever it is. Wherever I got this, yeah, yeah, <laughs> wherever I got this gift, I know that I have to use it in this moment to stand up for people who can't stand for themselves. 
and that's another place that you and I align. I am an absolute believer that things are put in your path when you are ready to deal with them and you just have to and for you, know, you you don't have to understand the why it's just you know and you're obviously wired you know as the kind of person who's like okay <laughs> let's go I, I was on a straight and narrow path here towards <laughs> you know this this destination and all of a sudden there's a curve that i wasn't expecting it wasn't on the map fine when fine. does anything in my life go according to plan yeah. never yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Can we go back though? And, and I almost kind of interrupted you, and I, I didn't want to uh, interrupt what you were talking about because, of course, you know you're, you're so on, you're so right, and you're so eloquent in what you're saying. But one of the first conversations I was privy to on your Facebook was people saying, "Oh, come on, Sarah, you know why they don't want you competing as a woman? You have the Y chromosome. Are you at least?" Do you at least understand where that argument comes from? Is right. there any validity to that? Why so, so, you know, I don't come on to these and, uh, hi, Andrea. Uh, I don't come on to these, these podcasts or these shows or my, my platforms and claim to be anyone in the scientific field or medical field. So, you know, I try to avoid my opinions, but in my experience, the big question is, do you have an advantage? Is on this level playing field, they're calling it. Well, first of all, let me just right out the gate say, any pro athlete, they're a pro athlete because they have biological advantage like size, like height, and then they train that stuff. But what I've experienced is many women I play against are stronger than me, taller than me, faster than me. So this isn't about advantages. And if you see me on the court, I'm, I'm tall. Yeah, I've got, I've got that advantage. Five, ten and a half. That's an advantage. My passion, extreme advantage. It's what's helped me climb a lot of mountains and overcome a lot of adversities. Now I'm using it in sport. It stands out. People see how passionate I am. Definitely an advantage. Am I strong? I mean, I can, I could do about 10 push-ups tops. Like I squeaks out the 10th push-ups. I'm not that strong. I mean, I'm again, I used to live at the gym, mainly doing like lifting, like to build my booty. <laughs> but do I have this big advantage? Some some senses, yeah, I have an advantage. Some senses, no, not at all. There is no level playing field like people believe there is. And a great example that I, I love that a friend of mine used is he's 5'8", and he's an athlete. And he used to do the hurdles. And his competition were 6'2", 6'3", 6'5". Right. You think their hurdles were taller? No, he jumped the same height of hurdles. You call that a level playing field? Now, this isn't me trying to defend my biological advantages, because honestly, again, you know, I don't have the strength that many of the women do that I play against. There's this one woman I play against. Oh my God, her her, tree, her, her legs are like tree trunks. And when she hits the ball, I'm like, I'm afraid. It's like a guy's hitting the ball at me. Uh, speed, same thing. She's super, super fast. She's as tall as I am. Many of the girls I play against are taller than me. They're athletes. They have this like biological thing. They were born with athletic bodies that they use in sports. So what can I say about that? I've been 10 years with estrogen as opposed to testosterone. What happens is your muscles deteriorate. My muscles are way, way tighter than they ever were. My bone density, if you do any research on this subject, you see all the differences once you do HRT. And then so, comes the argument, okay, so this is medically altered, right? And <laughs> on and on and on, it goes down this rabbit hole. 
the the real thing here though it's it's not about that because it's easy to see especially someone like me like i don't have big arms like i'm i'm not i'm not some like thor on the court like some people like assume like i'm this this beast on the court and i'm i'm not it's not about that because it's clear to see that I don't have that major advantage. And all my competitors, these ladies stepping up on the comments thread saying, we'll gladly continue to compete against you. You're welcome to play against me anytime. So many of them have commented, thank goodness, and I thank them all. It's not about that. It is about that these people don't see me as a woman. They, they cling to the, you're a man playing in a woman's sport. So it's, it's really... Do, do you understand where that argument comes from, though? Well, I feel like you do. <laughs> I would love to hear your view on that. It, it, it comes down to, you know, the basic biology that I think we're all taught, right? That, that, that the male and the female bodies are just differently. That men are hunters, gatherers, um, you know, we're the ones going out and, and fetching the food and clobbering, you know, whatever beast needs to be clobbered and, and women, you know, aren't and they're daintier and, you know, and, and, you know, and this is the fight that we're in at every level, whether, you know, it's just for equality. Right. And I mean, I have every confidence, Sarah, that at any sport that you and I were to go and compete in me being a male, I, you know, and you being, we understand, you know, you are a female in my eyes. Absolutely. And that was one of the first conversations. That was one of the first things you said in our first conversation was, John, look at me. What do you see? I said, I see a very attractive, beautiful woman. It's really just that simple. But yes, when you start digging down, okay. And we want to get into the biology because I think this is just what people choose to hang on to for whatever reason it gives them comfort right they they don't want to get into these conversations like we're having now they want they don't want to get into the you know how does this happen how does a person get to this point it's just it just seems weird to me and it's just easier for me to walk away from it and ignore it and put up all these walls and excuses and not have to actually listen what i want my talk content always to be is something that busts down walls and creates conversations. I'm not trying to, I don't want to be more right than anybody. I don't want to be more wrong than anybody. I want to be engaged in great conversations with great people who maybe can bring my view and somebody else's view to a different place than it was. And if we can have that every day in our lives, because we've gotten away from that, the keyboard warrior, and we all are one at one point or another in our day, we just have to be right. And I gave you the example. I was, I, I, somebody wrote to the radio station I'm on in Florida the other day, very upset with me. This, see, and because I said Scott Bayo has bought a house in Florida. How dare you mention this has been? His politics are all out of whack and he's anti this and anti that. And your person on the air should be fired. First off, they called me a disc jockey and I resent that. There are no discs and there is no jockeying going on. I am an on-air performer. Thank you very much. Okay. <laughs> the more you know, I'm going to take that down. <laughs> but my point is this. People are willing to attack you for any little thing because it just makes them feel better. There. It's done. It's compartmentalized. I don't have to deal with facts. I said what I said. My opinion is right. Your opinion is wrong. Don't come at me with other things. And... That's just not what I'm about, Sarah. And I want to. I want to talk about. I want to talk about you growing up 
in the body that didn't feel right for you. I want to get to that because it's such an important part of your story, but I can't leave the pickleball thing alone because you've got some better news. This has actually ended in a better place. The organizers, the powers that be in your sport have actually rewritten or come up with some sort of policy that you're quite pleased with. So where is that at? Well, it is, let's, let's be honest. It's baby steps, but uh, yeah. So the, uh, the, the founders of the U.S. Open reached out to me. Uh, two ladies uh, who are wives reached out to me. They are the founders of the U.S. Open. They, they're like, we heard about what happened. We're just so grateful that you, you know, still went and had a great time. Uh, my book is called Not Born This Way. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, there you go. Uh, <laughs> so they called me and they're like, we'd love to have you as part of the conversation as we update the policies. Sorry, you said they, the, the two of them are wives. They're married to each other, just to be clear, or they yes. are? Okay. Yes. Okay. Yes. So, uh, so they reached out and we had some conversations. They asked me a bit about my feedback and stuff like that. And they, they, they told me like, you know, we've always been about inclusion. So, you know, you've got nothing to worry about. We'd love to, to just have your feedback on this. And they basically piggybacked on, I think it's called the IOC. It's what the Olympics, um, policies are basically just, it's very simple. They took some stuff out of the old policy, uh, talking about we need to measure testosterone levels and stuff like that because that's not a great reading. Um, there are, there are women who have much more testosterone than I out there. In fact, I, I have like none uh, again, 10 years, um, in hormone replacement therapy, all the surgeries are done, all that stuff. Again, I'm sure we're going to touch on that, but, uh, that's not a great accurate way to, to test things. So it's a lot more about case by case. Um, basically it, their, their policy is inclusion. Transgender women are welcome to play in the amateur and pro level in pickleball. And if there is some very clear, um, disadvantage or uh, advantage that someone comes in and they're you know new to their transition and stuff like that then they have the right to to deny someone so it's yeah. it's it is not where i would love it to be yet the conversation continues because well, it's, it's further advanced than where it was yes and i'm, I'm happy about that i'm happy that i'm right. included in this conversation the conversation is continuing uh it's not just ending there but yeah we're making progress is that perhaps an opportunity, an unintended opportunity? Could pickleball be that sport that finally just says, we're all welcoming. We're all genders. We all play together because we don't have, as far as I know, any sport that is kind of the beacon for that right now, do we? I don't think so. And, you know, the great thing about pickleball is the advantages and disadvantages from, you know, men and women, it, it's not... Uh, where'd you go? I'm you here. Still there? Okay. I'm sorry. Here. My, my computer just went weird. Where is it? Right there you are. <laughs> um, it's not like it is in say like football or basketball. The, the top female pro is a 16 year old. She was 14 when she started winning pro events, a little 14 year old kicking everybody's butt and she can kick most men's butts. Obviously the top men, they're just way faster and stronger and their reflexes are crazy so um but yeah i mean this this could be that sport that that really does that plus you know with the rating system if you're a 4.0 or 4.5 you play with the 4.5s that's regardless of gender you know the top male is the highest rated player 
the top female is the top in the female, but is not rated as high as the top male. So if that female plays with the same rated male, they're the same rated player. Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. Very similar to golf, right? Like a, if, if you're a zero handicap, whether you're on the ladies tour or the men's tour, you're a zero handicap, right? You know, and, 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 and I'm, listen, we have different tees for, you know, there's the ladies tees, there's the men's tees, and then there's the, I'm really something special when it comes to golf tees. But at the end of the day, we can all golf together, no matter our level. Right. But it's, it's, it's interesting, you know, if, if a woman can, you know, uh, you know, shoot an 85 and a man can shoot an 85, they're equal golfers. As far as I'm concerned, let's watch the two of them go at it. That's compelling to me. Mm-hmm. And if that person that steps on and wants to compete in there happens to be transgender. Okay. I'm still watching someone who can shoot an 85 play against someone else who can shoot an 85. That's compelling to me. Yeah. Yeah, no, exactly. And, you know, uh, all these ignorant comments are like you were born a male go play with the males and honestly you know my my instant response to all this was like i just want to play pickleball you tell me where i'm welcome i'll show up and play you want me to play with the men i'll be the cutest little dude out there (laughs) but But it would it would be so silly it would just be a mockery that's that's the natural jumping off point to let's go back to young you and you know, you, you and I talked about, uh, you know, I've, I've done drag on a handful of occasions. And, and one of the things that I articulated to you was it's just fun for me to become a different character for a while. And I loved what you said to me. You said, well, John, that's how I lived the first how many years of my life? Years of my life. Every day for 26 years, I had to play a character mm-hmm. let's talk about that because I, I don't think there's nearly enough conversation and and certainly not nearly enough understanding that someone can grow up in a male body but in their mind at every waking moment and it's not because you were exposed to drag queens as a kid it's not because <laughs> you were exposed to other transgender people you know they didn't inspire sarah to say i'm going to grow up and go through hell on earth. Yeah. Uh, you know, like people who say this is a choice, I mean, it, it is laughable. It can't be. It can't be. And I think I remember a day where I used to walk into a room and just get respect, instant respect, and people just trusted all the bullshit coming out of my mouth. That doesn't happen. Because you anymore. were male. Yeah. Yeah. I, I miss and male white privilege. I miss not being female. seen as an object and being treated like a, a subpar human. Being a woman is not easy, John. I, I can I can promise you that. That must be fascinating to you. You know, a girlfriend of mine, one of my best friends, she's like, you would be the the perfect person to stand up for women's rights because you, more than any other woman, totally get misogyny, sexism, and all the stuff that goes with being a woman because you were on the other side of the coin and you got to lose it. <laughs> but would those organizations you know would would they allow someone like you to represent them i haven't tried yet so you okay. know there's there's obvious there's a lot of people on different sides of the fence and like i have, said you have issues with like the, a lot of the transgender community it just will not have your back on this they will not stand up for you what the hell why not so i just i didn't have a very uh 
enjoyable experience when when I first came out and started transitioning you know being a life coach and I wasn't a life coach at that point but in my whole life I've been someone who you know I lived 26 years feeling different and I always felt for people and I always wanted I had this major empathy for anybody who felt different weird odd what, whatever you name it dealing with stress and all this stuff and it's called compassion it's yeah I got some of that <laughs> I, sure. loads of it so you know I come into this transition world and I, I join these groups and I'm like here I am and I saw so much stress and, and these people having a really hard time in life so I wanted to help and I wanted to be like someone who lifted people up and reminded them that they're awesome no matter what cards they were dealt so I started to become a bit of a you know I created a following I had a YouTube channel and people followed me and it is a toxically negative place sometimes and you know this being said first of all I want to start off by by thanking everyone who came before me that fought for the rights that I now have you know the whole LGBTQ plus community that has been through physical abuse mental emotional abuse fighting for our rights so I, I have to thank them so I'm, I'm trust me I'll never throw them under the bus saying that that community is bad you're right my they, they're what got us to hear yes my right. experience was I saw a lot of gatekeepers that would treat other transgender men and women in the community like you're not good enough you don't transition full-time you're not good enough you don't have the surgeries you're not good enough you're you're this you're that is like there was a mold that these gatekeepers and rule makers uh you know we're not being it was one of the most unwelcoming communities that i've ever been in and i i I thought and I feel I still to this day feel it was because so many people they're living on the defense they're constantly defending themselves so it's like they go into this community where their own people are and they're on the offense because it's like it, you know the best defense is an offense is kind of what comes to mind and it's like ugh, I couldn't be part of it you know I had multiple people who I was like mentoring in a way kind of helping send me photos of them with pills in their mouth saying thanks for everything I'm ending it tonight and I had to call police and be like oh my god I don't know where this person is I know them from Facebook please help me oh well you got to call the right police Isn't that the worst conversation I've had to do that on several occasions myself I don't know who this person is I don't know what and, and that's the question how do you know this person they're on my Facebook <laughs> like yeah. You know, and then there's silence. Well, like, why would you have somebody on your Facebook who you don't really know? Well, because I'm in radio and it's just, you know, people know. And for whatever it's reason, right? you're an athlete. It is. And you're stuck. Um, Just uh, like you said, lots of facets, lots of things we can talk about. And there are so anyway. many moving parts. Um, Barb, thank you for being here. She says social media is toxic. Forums are just wow. Uh, she says you're so you're a beautiful soul, Sarah. Uh, thank you for sharing. Uh, yes, Sarah, thank you. I, I can't say that enough. Thank you. Uh, but what you're talking about with you know certain communities and and you you know you kind of indicated to me that it was a surprise that wait a minute I, I I'm not being accepted by the transgender community when I am in fact transgender it doesn't make well, they sense. were there was people who were saying because i don't identify with the label right i didn't i didn't grow up saying i want to grow up and be right. transgender i didn't even know what transgender was until my mid-20s there it's like again you know the gatekeepers are like well then you know that's but, a you're a bigot <laughs> and, and, and i want to go back to because we started talking about and we didn't really talk about your life for those first 26 years. But I got a little taste of that when I got real dark in depression, when I got really, really bad and I was seeking any kind of escape and I found my way into the kink community, BDSM more specifically. And 
you know, I just, uh, cause pain was an escape for me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if, if at least, you know, if I was in a situation where somebody was administering pain to me, I had a reasonable assurance that they would know when enough was enough. I didn't have that same guarantee if I was hurting myself mm-hmm. and it could go too, too far, but you know, I kind of felt like, okay, and I can talk openly about this and I wasn't going to hide this because I didn't want it to blow up in my face and have somebody reveal, Hey, that guy on the radio, by the way, you know, you know, like I owned it, I owned it, uh, rightly or wrongly. I owned it. I felt that was the better path, but I really felt that in that community, people would be like, wow. Okay. Someone who's breaking down the stigmas and the stereotypes, whatever else. No, I ended up going to events they have what are called munches. Right. And, and they're, and they're community get togethers and that's, that's wonderful. And they happen at restaurants. They're around you. They are around you. people. <laughs> you don't even know at it. The same restaurants and they're having little meetings. But I sat down at a table and somebody tapped me on the shoulder and said, who the hell do you think you are sitting there? And I was like, I'm just sitting at a table. Oh, that, you know, that, that, that everybody knows that table belongs to so-and-so. And I'm like, what in the hell are you talking about? There is this hierarchy. Who put these people in these positions? I don't know, but there was this hierarchy and I wasn't good enough for this. And I wasn't good enough for that. And, you know, it was just at every single turn, I thought this would be a welcoming community, people who would understand me and the exact opposite. They did everything they could to really hurt me mentally even more than I was already hurting myself. It was absolutely the wrong place for me to be. And further to that, I have so many friends, you know, in, in the LGBTQ plus two S community, um, who tell me time and time again, that regardless of how much work they do and how much, you know, community involvement they have and how immersed they are in trying to better and, and give voice to who they are and who their community is, the others in that community, no, I don't want you around. I just, why are we fighting against each other? Why can't we just, not that we want to be on, on teams here, but I mean, in any community, in any successful organization, we champion each other, but it's not happening in, in your community of trans, you know, of transgender people. It wasn't happening in the community of BDSM people. I found myself involved with, it doesn't seem to be happening in the gay community. What the hell is this? It's a, it's a crazy world, you know, and this is why I have this compassion, even for the people who are hateful towards me. I see their comments, I see their messages, and I just, I want to give them a hug. In fact, I even say that in comments. I say, you know, I hope, do that. I hope one day you get a chance to meet me so I can give you the biggest hug you've ever received. And you can see that I'm no threat to you or to women's sports. Well, so this is just, hugs. Sarah just wants to be Sarah at the end of the day and go home to her kids and her husband and her happy little life and work with her clients and inspire and coach. And the fact that this conversation is happening, which I'm grateful for is because of the fact that some people just can't handle and let you live your own damn life. So let's talk about that life. So 26 years and, and I I read it on your Facebook again, you were talking about, you know, like uh, as, as a little as a young person, you would let your sister, I'm trying, I'm trying to be respectful. I, I was a little girl, I, I, you know, yeah. my gender. So there, you know, the difference between sex and gender, my gender was always female. And I didn't fully understand that. My, my parents knew as, as a child, they thought I would turn out gay. 
but they, they were 100% sure based off of who I was as a kid. I was not like a little boy. I was like a little girl. I played with, with girls. I had my, I loved my beanie babies and those, those were my favorite. I had tons of beanie babies. I played Barbies with the girl across the street. I was effeminate. I was sensitive. I was like all these things that resembled a girl. They thought it meant that I'd turn out gay. And as I was growing up, I started to like wonder why I couldn't wear girls clothes. And my mind knew it was wrong. I knew it was wrong. I knew I knew that I was supposed to wear certain kinds of clothes and like certain kinds of colors at a what very a, young age. What a shitty feeling. Yeah, that must be having to I, hide who I you knew that are. was wrong, except for the fact that, Sarah, it's not wrong. And, and right. right. It's not. No, no. And you, you know, knew. But you knew that society, people who did had no vested interest in your life whatsoever. I, I can't. I just would make your life so uncomfortable because you wanted to wear something pink or you wanted to have earrings on or makeup or whatever. I wanted to be a little girl. You know, everything that I just identified with it. I like so many people are like, I just don't understand it. Help me understand it. I'm like. You help me understand it because I don't fucking understand it. I don't know. I just, all I know is the thoughts that I had, the feelings that I had, the way that I was expressing myself, the way I identified matched girl, not boy. And then it was exemplified when I went through puberty, you know, at around age 11, 12, 13, those, those few first years of puberty scared the living shit out of me. I can only imagine. Because my thoughts then went just from like, oh, I, I wish I could wear dresses to I wish I could be pregnant. I wish I would have a period. I I visualized wow. getting pregnant so often. And I just wished that that was my life. I wish I could How grow up. How old were you when you were Im imagining that? 11, 12, 13. And I mean all my life since then. But yeah, once puberty kicked in and then my, my sexual fantasies were with me as a woman with a guy getting married to a man who loved me and and treated me like like a woman and that's when i was like okay i must be crazy i need to figure out how to play this role better and i started doing research i went on google and said typed in like how to be a guy <laughs> literally I, it was like i was doing research on a, on a role uh it's talked about well guys take up a lot of space so you know when they sit down they put their arms up and they put their cell phones on the table in front and it's like i learned all this stuff i emulated the guys who are in my life how they walked because i walked with this kind of like effeminate walk and so I, I learned how to strut and i learned how to hold myself differently and speak with this deep manly voice and like if you heard my old voice it was very manly and like i got into uh you know i went to the gym and i like uh got i i took muay thai for like i don't know seven eight months and i was like what's, what's muay thai uh, muay thai is a fighting like a thai boxing oh and so I, I did like i did all these things to be this this thing that society wanted me to be but in my mind all day long all i could think of was living my life the way it is now i visualized everything that i am existing in right now is how i pictured it as a kid as a young adult cutting brick with my landscaping company 
my mind never stopped visualizing what my life should be. And I had to play this role and I played it well, but every conversation I had, every single scenario I was in, I was calculating what I had to say, how I had to act, what I had to be, how can I project myself as this person that people want me to be. I started to get, get afraid of getting drunk in case I slipped and gave someone a clue that I was not who I was pretending to be. Who it was hell? like nobody, nobody in their right mind could hear you say that or hear anyone say that and say, yep, that's the life you're supposed to be in. <laughs> Come on. That's yeah. torture. Yeah. Like, so what? Uh, God made no mistakes, right? That's what I hear a lot. Like, <sighs> that's the life I was meant to live. You think God did make me and it was me resisting. God, I cursed God. I hated God. I, why how, do people? Okay, why? And, and I've seen this happen. So, I, I got attacked on your Facebook page. I, you had a beautiful picture. <laughs> it was like you the did. first sunny day after like a week of rain, and you just, <laughs> you just captured yourself wonderfully, right? You got your hair flowing in the breeze. The sun is just kissing your face, and it was just—it was just pure joy. And all. Do you know what the quote was? Do you remember what the quote of that picture was? No. Don't let other people's opinions of you dictate your reality. That was the one he was commenting on. Yeah. Well, my comment was, what a great <laughs> shot, girl. G-U-R-L. And this guy, I have no idea who he is. You probably don't even know who he is. He's found you somehow. And he's just, and, and I wasn't the only one, but anybody who said anything to you, he took it upon himself. John, that's a man. <laughs> Fuck off. And, you know, and it was like, and he was just attacking every single person. Like he was God's representative yeah. to, to set the world, you know, correct on this, etc. And, and you go to his page and there he is at his church with his family and they're in their Sunday best and whatever else. And God is this. And God is that dude, read the 10 commandments. What does it say about judging others? What does it say about doing unto, like, if you believe like you're picking and choosing here. And this is what drives me crazy about. And look, if you're a religious person, you are a religious person. I don't begrudge it, but stop shoving your beliefs in my face. Stop telling me that I have to believe what you believe. No, we're adults. We get to believe what we choose to believe is right for us. Just because I was brought up in the Catholic church does not mean I have to subscribe to Catholicism. And by the way, I don't. Right. There's a lot of reasons why I don't. And, and, and I just don't align with that. But like they're cherry picking. Yeah. And I, I'm not religious, but I do believe in my version of God. And I've I've called it the universe. I've called it source. I've called it energy. I call it my alien overlords. Yeah, exactly. Right. But I have, a, I have my version of God. All this. Absolutely. It is who receives my gratitude every morning. Every morning, I thank the world, God, universe, I just, I am so grateful for life and for making me who I am because I did resist. Like, again, like I was saying, I cursed God. I was like, how dare you make me sure. have to deal with this and just, just make me wake up normal, please. I just want to be normal so I don't have to deal with this fucking hurricane in my head. Sarah, that's me in depression. That is me right? in depression. That is well, me so in a panic attack. Why did you make this happen? I, I don't know who it is I'm talking to. I'm, I, I right. have to believe that there's some other power out there, something somewhere, right? right? And at the very least, you know, just, just putting it out to something. <laughs> transmit, <laughs> transmit on. It gets you out of, you know, gets it out of your head. Yeah. So I, I get it. I get it. Aww. 
Barb, you're awesome. I see you. Connect with me. I'd love to have a chat. A, a lot of awesome people around us, Sarah, and and it's nothing but love in this house. And I always like to think that my space is a, is a safe space. You know, there's never any guarantee as to who gets through and who says what. But so far, it's been civil. I want to invite people. If you've got questions for Sarah, if you want to weigh in and share your opinions, if you're brave enough to let us hear your voice, 613-604-6464 is the number you can call into the show. We'll get you on the air right now. 613-604-6464. So you grew up overcompensating trying to live up to this physique you were in when without a shadow of a doubt in your mind you should have been wearing a dress you should have been wearing makeup um you know you, you live in the life that your sisters on your birthday you know got to that was your gift to them yeah you, oh yeah no we did i guess we didn't say that i was i think i was uh seven my sister was six and this was me being i was so smart so sneaky i was like sister i didn't oh, get yeah. you a, i didn't get you a gift but you know what what is because i don't have money i'll let you uh, dress me up like a doll and you can have tons of fun dressing me up like a doll not like, self-serving at all was it no, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> and i'm like nice she has no idea that i'm loving this more than she is you know uh and you I, I always you live this around. this male persona to the point where you actually ended up married to a woman, yes? To a woman. How mm -hmm. in the hell does that happen? Well, I mean, you know, playing this role. And I, and I will say this. I I loved her. But I, I didn't don't, think. I don't I, even I, think for a second you didn't. No, I, I loved her. But I wasn't thinking about her when we were having sex. Mm. <laughs> Yeah. Wow. What? Okay. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So is, is it <laughs> I'm trying to be delicate uh, and I know you told me I don't have to be. Um, okay. So I'll be bull in a China shop. What were you thinking about then? No, this, this is the true mind fuck. I was, I was projecting myself into any woman I was, I had ever had sex with. I projected myself into them basically feeling like, the male that I was pretending to be was having sex with me. Let me piece this together. Wait. Yeah, piece that one together. I so would... you're you're in a male body. You're penetrating a female. Yeah. But in your mind, it's the other way around, where you actually have you you have that was ha like my survival mechanism like if i'm gonna play this role i have my human needs and i want to have sex the way i want to have it so i and this is a crazy mind trip i created this man to be the type of man i was attracted to it makes I said, perfect sense to me sarah <laughs> quite quite the standard like if when i thought of what kind of man i would want to be with that's who i made this guy to be so whenever i had sex i was projecting my experience into the woman who was receiving him yeah swallow that pill mm -hmm. there's a lot to unpack there and, uh -huh. and, and i can't imagine what that would be like as much as i like role play <laughs> right. yeah that is that, some spiritual magic right there there has to be can i ask and, and and i've made the mistake of 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 asking this in probably the wrong language before <laughs> so i've learned a little bit and i'm, I'm trying to be, remain sensitive and and i'm trying to move the conversation forward but in in that relationship because people people okay let me let me back up a little. <laughs> i think there are a good number of people out there who 
think of cross-dressing and being transgender as one in the same. I've learned enough to know that they are absolutely very different things. Yes, there can be some, you know, elements back and forth. But by and large, you know, a, a cross-dresser is typically a straight male who just likes the feel of clothing. Mm -hmm. In in those scenarios that you just described, where you are having to, in your head, in order to enjoy the experience, imagine that you are the woman. Was there ever any need to accentuate that with, you know, clothing, etc.? Like, was your partner aware of that? Or were you able to just sort of really, she's shaking, she's nodding her head. So there was nothing. Nobody knew. All. Nobody knew. I never even, even in that most soul. intimate situation. No, nobody. I didn't tell a soul the first time I actually like, so in my early twenties, um, before I got married, I was like, I got to explore this and love is love. Yes, it is. I, um, I, I ended up going on Craigslist. Uh, I, d I did a couple Craigslist meetups and I went, oh, I, know. I went to Walmart and I bought some, feminine stuff and I went and I dressed up and that was the first time I even experienced some of the thoughts that were in my head but even at that point I had not told anybody here come here honey come here come here you want to say hello to everybody this is my daughter Rosie hey Rosie she does smile, smile? <laughs> <laughs> there it is she does smile now is that your eldest or your youngest it's my youngest hey right on cool yeah you're so blessed Yes, we'll play war after. We're going to play cards <laughs> after. We're going, uh, once we're done talking about all of these things, we're going to play war after. Yes. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. Uh, so, yeah, you, you know, I had these experiences, but even at that, I had not told anybody. And then there was a, a chance that I got when I was 24, 25. It was really close to when I finally transitioned that I, I wrote a blog and I just let it all out. I told my whole story. Sue says hi, Rosie. That's awesome. Uh, and I just I let it all out. It was it was it made things real, which was scary. And that was the first time. But up until then, no, I had not told anyone anything. But my mom and my grandma for my whole life, multiple times a year, would come up to me, no matter how manly I got, and said, "If you ever have to come out, you have a safe place to do it." Because you were that kid playing with the Barbies, playing dress up, and they thought for sure you were gay. Yeah. And they still, they still had your back. You know, mm -hmm. they were just, they were waiting. Isn't that interesting? Yep. They knew. How many times have you had conversations with other people in similar situations to you where they just didn't have that support system around them? How difficult <sighs> must that be? So it's part of why I want to do what I want to do with my voice and protect these these children these people even these adults who have all this family turning their back on them because they don't want to understand it they have no interest they will tell their children that around me you are the dead name you're going to dress this way or you're out of the house like it's it's nasty it is nasty so for me this is way beyond at this point pickleball being a trans athlete and any of that a friend of mine actually i've seen her comment we met today um, because she had this feeling that she needs to help me create a foundation. So we are in the, in the beginning phases of talking about creating a foundation that is dedicated to 
mental health for the youth within the LGBT community, as well as beyond that, because that's not the only community needing help and guidance and structure and foundation. You know, the foundation foundation is, is very much what I'm thinking. People need a foundation and guidance and support and ways to, to navigate their foundation foundation. I got it now. Yeah. I'm, sorry. A little foundation. slow, a little slow to the game, but I got it. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's so admirable. That is so admirable. And I love when people step up and, and, you know, try and take a, a, a shit situation and and make it better you know not dissimilar to what i'm listen this is this is how i'm it's a coping mechanism for me with my depression this this rv for mental health that i've got and one of the first things that i did when uh that rv got to its first official um uh event which was our hugs at hogsback event i put the pride flag up because you know i i want people uh, you know, regardless, I just want, I just want people to be themselves. I want it to be a safe space. And I, I absolutely recognize that there are so many people that at the root of their mental health concerns is sex, sexuality, gender, sexual identity, orientation, expression, their fear, right? Their fear of expressing themselves, their fear of being who they are. And you must look at some of the, like Florida today, just gov the governor there, DeSantis, signed four new bills into law that, I mean, anybody with any, whether you understand transgender at all, whether you understand homosexuality at all, you cannot look at some of these things that are happening and think a country that bangs the drum for freedom and liberty and is all welcoming and this beacon of hope to those who feel oppressed around the world. How in the hell can anybody in good conscience support these legislations that we're seeing happening today? What are your thoughts on that? It must just. It's insane. I'll put it this way. Um, I was very dedicated to moving to Florida. Where is your book available on Amazon? Uh, maybe I'll do something neat um, before I even say, you know, why don't I incentivize people to call in with questions and I'll say my favorite question. I will send you a signed copy of my book. Hey, now 613-604-6464, 613-604-6464. Yeah. Can I have a, um, I've asked you a lot of questions. Can I get a signed copy of your heck book? Heck yeah. Heck yeah. Cool. When I write my book, I'll get you a signed copy too. Heck yeah. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Which, by the way, it's interesting you write because I don't even know where to begin with this. And I've I've dealt with business coaches and stuff too, who are you know one of the one of the best things that I was told is, um, you know, you don't have to write the entire book in one day. Write a paragraph today. Write another paragraph tomorrow, and eventually it'll get done. The problem for me, Sarah, is it's all up here. If I were to if I were to speak it into a microphone, I'd have it done in a couple of hours. Do it. That's but, what that I did that. But I'm a purist. I want to sit down and I want to I want to bang it out on a keyboard. I want to type and I and I started doing that. I did years ago. I started doing that and then I lost the file and I started doing it again, which which was probably a better version of the story. But I mean, I don't want to say I made a mistake, but I, I I handed it the first couple of paragraphs I had written, or sorry, chapters I had written. I sent it to someone I know who I respect, who is an author and has published books, and I said. Here's what I've got so far. What do you think? Which I allowed myself to have. I know. I know. <laughs> Don't do that. I know now. But it's like, 
and I listened to them because, well, I kind of thought your story would start here and here's how you should do it. And this would be more compelling than <laughs> I'm dealing with an editor. Right. And it's like, yeah, right. Okay. Now I can't get it out of my head. So I've taken a little break back from it. Anyway, um, it's not about me tonight. It's all about you because you are fantastic and wonderful. But um, going back to, and, and again, we invite your phone calls for an autographed copy of the book, 613-604-6464. Sarah will pick the best question. Don't be shy. And we, we don't have to use your name. If you don't want to use your name, that's fine. Um, but you ended up as, uh, you know, you ended up married and you ended up. So I'm, I'm not married anymore. Um, the, the two children you have though are, they're naturally they're yours. They're mine. And, you know, any thought that I've ever had that has made me think, you know, I wish because I used I used to go to the dance clubs and often I, I, I partied. I was always looking at Were the, you ever at RJ's Boom Boom Saloon when I was there. Oh, yeah. Of course. I yeah. might see. I Definitely. knew it. I knew it before <laughs> I asked it. I knew it. But I'd be there looking at the, the ladies dancing with their friends. And it's like I was always so envious. I just wished I was there dancing with my girlfriends in that way. Um, but, yeah, like I. I think my mind's like, imagine, imagine I did actually have that life and, you know, didn't go through the male puberty. And then, you know, cause I've gone through female puberty, I've gone through two pu puberties and both weren't were great. Um, but if I did, I wouldn't have my two beautiful children. So, so, so grateful that it took 26 years because without, cause, and I'll tell you my youngest that you just met, she was two months when I finally, oh man, my story, there's, you got to read my book. Cause there's just so much to this. Um, my wife at the time was at rehab for alcohol. She started drinking after, uh, after having the second child and it was, it was bad. Went to rehab for a month. And that's when I was like, I need to do something about this. Cause my, my mind storm of, of everything was just getting crazier and crazier and crazier. And so I went, to, I actually went to a support group for the first time and I went to a counselor and I finally started talking about it. And I had this big idea that, you know, when my wife comes back, I'm going to tell her, I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm going to tell her what I've been going through. And, you know, she comes back and I'm like, I started being like a wifey. I was like, I'm going to clean up for you. And I'm going to do all these things. I'm going to cook for you. I'm going to do all these, these like wifey chores. And she was very cold and distant. And I think two weeks after being back, she's like, well, I'm going to this alumni meeting for the, for the, um, the group that I was with for that month at rehab. And she leaves and I checked the computer history and saw that she was looking for group on dates for two. She came back and I confronted her and it, you know, she met someone in rehab and to me, that was like, this is my sign. It's time. You know, now there's nothing holding me back from actually doing this. My, my youngest was two months old. And yeah, I started this freaking roller coaster journey to happiness and peace. Oh my God. Finally, my mind was quiet for the first time in my whole life. I could just. Wow. <sighs> wow. Wow. It's amazing freedom. We've got a couple, we've got a call on hold right now. We've got a couple of questions coming in. Are you ready to take some calls? And Let's do it. Conversations. Johnny, go ahead. You're on with Sarah. Hey, Johnny. Hey, Sarah. hey John. How are you guys? Sexy as always. <laughs> uh, I'll vote for that. Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> it's electrifying. Um, Sarah, first off, kudos to you. Um, question I have is when you me started to unmask let's call that was there a particular person that you were really scared to tell that really really 
All of them. How they would react. All of them. You know, I hung around the tough group. We were, you know, it was these guys were we I grew up in the country and it was all mud and trucks and rednecks and tough guys and and all of them and it was the same yeah. amount of nerve-wracking anxiety for everyone i did it individually i did it with all my best friends so i'm like itching because i just i remember how how much how nerve-wracking it was every one of them it just felt icky to to talk about and they all had a very similar reaction they're like are you messing with me is this a joke like what and pretty much all of them turned their backs on me so yeah it sucked it wasn't fun oh i am so sorry to hear that that's terrible that's well the trash took itself out you know those aren't real friends and yeah. i am grateful there's a lot of people right now who have a hard time leaving behind the people who are holding them down for me i got a blessing they left themselves true they they're the ones who lost and uh, I, can, I can tell you that now because you're a fantastic lady and what you're doing is absolutely amazing. Um, I think I said it one of my comments, my guitarist is trans and she went through a lot of things too. So kudos to you and what you're doing. Thank you so much, Johnny. Yeah, I promise I wouldn't use real names on the show. And then, of course, you know, Johnny's actually in my phone directory. So my <laughs> inclination and Johnny, I know you're cool. Oh. So thank, thankfully, I, <laughs> it was you and not somebody else. Oh, God. <laughs> it's all good, man. <laughs> Tell your guitarist that she, I, I got her back. Tell her she's awesome for me. I will do that. I'll pass this message on to her. Thank you. Thank Always appreciate it, Johnny. Always great talking to you. All right, let's get to some of your questions. Uh, here's one on the screen. Uh, Graham wants to know, Sarah, my question. I appreciate your ideas on how can I support a friend on their journey? That's a good question. I like that. All right. You're jumping up the list here. So, it's, so like I was saying earlier, a lot of people, they say, I just want to understand I don't even understand it. So the less that you try to understand it, the better. It's going to be weird. I don't know how far along they are in their journey, um, but it's going to get weird. <laughs> like It's going to get weird. I'm renting a room to one of the only people who didn't turn their backs on me. He's an incredible guy. He's like my best friend. I remember I called him up one time and I'm like, could you, okay, this is going to be weird, but can you come over and sit on the couch while I practice my female voice with you? <laughs> Things you don't even think of. And that should have been an obvious one for me. Duh. Right. You know, I didn't, I didn't always sound like this. That's the second time you brought that up, by the way. Okay. Yeah. So how does, how does the voice happen, Sarah? <sighs> so there's a lot of training, a lot of training. I did train my larynx to so if you think about it like think of a, a beer bottle and you do the toot toot thing yep. you know the more space in there the deeper it sounds the less space the higher it sounds you can train your larynx to tighten up so that the sound coming out of it the resonance is different it's different to going high pitch like you can go high pitch and it sounds like this but that's not that's not what we're looking for here so i had you to learn a very authentic feminine voice Oh, I thank you. <laughs> I mean, like nobody would nobody would know unless they knew, you know. Um, but the training, I guess, that would have been involved for you to find that had you discovered that 
in your younger years or was it once you decided, no, I need to live authentically as Sarah that then you started working on it? When, when did you find your voice literally? Well, it took, took some training, you know, when I first started, like, so I have a YouTube channel that I've pretty much completely privatized and I unprivatized a couple, uh, just had surgery. Okay. Okay. That's, that's good to know. Um, she, if she's just had surgery, go help her. <laughs> I was alone in my recovery and recovery is not fun. Okay. Help go bring her, her some food, go bring her some food. She's probably stuck in her bed right now, having a hard time getting up. Recovery takes a year of very uncomfortable stuff. <laughs> we'll say be there as much as you can. Cause, uh, a lot of people are so uncomfortable with it. They don't even know what to do. It's like I've heard people compare it to like um, when they got cancer, a lot of people kind of backed off because no one knew how to handle it or be around and be a good support for them. The more you can be there and just show her that you're there no matter what is going to be huge, huge, huge. You, you describe the discomfort. Is it, is it obviously there's some physical aspect to it, but are you describing the mental aspect of it? The physical aspect? A lot of it. it. A lot of it. Physical is very, it's, it can be painful. So you gotta, you gotta dilate. That's fun. You gotta shove things up a hole that never used to be there. We'll just, we'll, we'll end it there. It's no, not, I, I mean, I, I appreciate this. And, and these are conversations I don't think are being had anywhere else. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah, no, recovery, it's a lot of it. And it's like you got to do that multiple times a day for a long time. So you need to train the body to become what it is now being told to be. Yeah. Yeah. Because it wants to heal up, it wants to close up. <laughs> yeah. So I get it. It, it. Again, Sarah, with all due respect, it's just, it's one of those things that, you know, never I, thought of that, did you? I've considered, you know, I've considered, considered what would be involved in the surgery, but on a very, you know, basic level. I mean, obviously, you know, things are altered, changed, whatever else. And that's kind of been, I, I, I never even gave pause to, to yeah. consider that. Wow. Yeah. There's a, a mental aspect. Yeah. And another, you know, way that you can support her is just tell her she's beautiful as often as you can. And this is for all the men out there. Tell your girl she's beautiful as often as you can, please. I, if, I got back into the dating world and it's like, I have to tell all these guys, like, tell me I'm beautiful, please. <laughs> Can you please do that? I like it. I really like to hear it. <laughs> it's just, uh, but yeah. You, you are beautiful, by the way. There's, there's no question in my mind. And it's not, in the mind it's, of not it's not that I'm like, I need to be reminded for my ego. It's just, it's nice oh, know. to know that your man thinks you're attractive, you know, but as a friend, you know, you can still do it as a friend and just remind her that she's beautiful. And it's not even just about looks. It's just about her soul, her personality. Just right now she is dealing with a lot of, um, it's scary. It's scary. And it's nice to be grounded by somebody who, you know, cares about you beyond whatever crap you're going through. It's nice to be grounded and pulled back down to earth because right now she's probably in her head thinking about all the craziness she's about to endure because I know I was, you know, I don't know how many people turn their back on her. There's a lot going on there as you're stepping into your new life, your new skin, your new personality and the hormones and everything that changes going from testosterone to estrogen. Wow. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I, so I went through female puberty where there were 
pains and itches and mood swings and learning that crying that. didn't mean I was sad. It was just a reaction that I had because of the estrogen. Wow. Um, I cry a lot now, all the time. But in the beginning, during my female puberty at age 26, it was confusing. It was very confusing. And I was kind of alone on it. I didn't have a friend group as a teenager to talk about these things and stuff like that. And I have a monthly PMS. Ugh. It, I, I, yo, yeah. I, wow. I don't have a period, obviously, but I do. I am loving this conversation so much I, because oh, yeah. I, this is this is so educational. <laughs> I think you know on a I think on a very basic level, <laughs> you know, I, as, as as much as I think I I understand this, as much as I understand, you know, because I immerse myself. I I like people who are different. I like learning um from our differences you know i like mm -hmm. celebrating those differences and i try and i try at all aspects of my life these days i try and lift people up but you know as many conversations as i've had with with people i've never even gotten into this conversation about the surgery and in my mind on a very basic level i would think okay I, I, I recognize, you know, I've gone through all the therapy, et cetera, and it has been determined that absolutely I'm in the wrong body here and we can, we can get this to a better place where I can live more comfortably with myself. And, and, you know, Hey, once I have that surgery, ha, ah, it ain't that easy. No. I that, that process. So you're a friend who went through surgery, the crap she had to go through. Like I had to see a psychotherapist and counselors and all this stuff before they would even send me to an endocrinologist for the hormone replacement therapy. As if this was some brand new news. Like I knew my whole life that I was a woman, a girl growing into a woman. And I was at this point, when you accept it, when you step into this world and it's like, okay, I'm, I went to the, my first support group and I was scared. I was like, and I'm, I'm an outgoing social butterfly. I'm sitting on the tape, on the chair, hugging my knees, like, oh my God, this mm. is real. And they, you know, they come to me like, Hey, you know, what's your name and what's your pronouns? I'm like, I don't even know what to say. You know, it was very nerve wracking. And you know, as you're starting to to let go, it's like, okay, I finally I spoke and I shared and everyone's like, we love you and all that stuff. Now I have to go through what was it three months or four months of psychotherapy, where in the first couple sessions, they're like, yeah, you're actually very emotionally and mentally stable and grounded. And you are who you say you are. But we have to follow protocols. And this is going to last four months. Oh, good. Yeah. So we can't prescribe you anything or send you to anything. You have to continue to come here and basically waste your time and our time saying the same things over and over as we ask you these questions and dive deeper and deeper on something we can already tell. Like they they told me straight up, we we can already tell that you're 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 a woman. Like so that's that's interesting to me. So by doing that, you're basically what placating people. Then you know it's satisfying. There, well, at least they went through you know this protocol. You know they're not mm -hmm. just doing the surgery willy nilly to anybody who just decides on a whim that hey, you know I kind of like to live in a whole other physical, you know, existence. Yeah, no, it was frustrating. Oh. I ended up. <laughs> I got impatient. I was starting to get depressed. It's like I'm I being forced and I'm being forced to follow this crap. And I'm I'm sick of seeing this, this person who's telling me I cannot move forward because I have to follow a stupid protocol, even though that person knows that I need to be on this medication. And I ended up finding a place to ship it from Thailand and started sticking a needle in my butt to do it myself. 
What? How safe was that? And I told him, I'm like, oh yeah, I'm already injecting myself. I, I ordered yeah. from Thailand. And he was like, we're going to have to end our sessions. And I am not referring you to an endocrinologist. That was the response. So I had to do my own. What, like go to your room with no dessert? Was that punishment? What was the purpose of that? That's what it seemed like, yeah. So I, I had to call endocrinologists myself saying, here's the scenario. Here's what's up. And I found one who was like, oh, my God, that's so wrong. Yeah, no, we, we got you. We got you. So luckily, I, I did get taken care of. But not everyone has the kind of fortitude that I do to get through this stuff. It's not easy. I, you're unbelievable. God, I'm so glad our paths have crossed. Um, someone wants to know, did you have the surgery in Montreal? I did. I did. Is that kind of where that 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 kind of surgery is is done best? So in our the, the healthcare one. So if, I don't know if it's the same now, but our OHIP covers that surgery. Um, and it's done in Montreal. Yeah. So people fly in from all across Canada. We are all human to love and be loved. I agree. Yep. Thank you, Dave. Dave. Thank you for that comment. Um, uh, sorry to your friend, to, to Graham's question regarding their friend who's just going through the surgery yes. right now and their needs. Barb says, reminder, you are her safe space. And yes. Peace. Uh, some of our littles go through the same formalities and protocol, even though they are screaming at them. They know who they are inside to out. Sad. No one listens. Well, Barb, that's why I'm trying to have these conversations. With <laughs> and this brings up Florida. This brings up Florida and I have, I have a lot of friends who are, who live in Florida and who are very like, you know, Trump, 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 and are like these schools that are, are making it safe to talk about and da, 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 da. I'm like, that's a bad thing. What? I wish I had a safe place where a teacher said, Hey, if you have any questions about your gender identity and expression, you can talk about it here and we will open you up to resources where you can actually explore this. God, God, like, how can you be against that? My understanding of school was always that's where children go to get the basic skills they are going to need to live life and exist in the world that is around them. Well, the world that is around them is full of different colored people, is full of different gendered people, is full of different political stripes is full of different religions, is full of different ethnicities, is full of different beliefs. And, and, and to, I mean, we're setting them up, love it or hate it, agree with it or not, by, by removing it, by throwing a, a blanket over this and, and choosing to ignore it, you are doing such a disservice for your children, who I know you're well-intentioned and trying to protect, but they're going to end up in a place in the real world at some point where it's like, a gay person? What? No. I mean, you, like, you might as well be telling them that, you know, like, <laughs> this is an actual alien you're talking to. Uh, it'll be just that foreign to them. It is insanity, the it's conversation. Funny, some happening. of these people, it's like they think you can force a child to be transgender. It's like they're they're indoctrinating these these children and forcing them and, and no a child's not gonna just go oh well you're telling me that I should be transgender so I guess I am no Sarah I, I I'm a straight white blondish haired blue eyed guy okay but I'm also I am who I am and I'm I'm naughty and and raunchy and you know sexually aware etc and try and be friends with as many people from different walks of life as I can. Um, 
but all this to say, um, why are there so many misunderstandings uh, of this? Why, you know, like the, the people, the people that are trying to make this go away in, in some way, shape or form in your experience. And you've certainly had different experiences with them and probably more of them than I have. Are they themselves like, are, are they the one, like, the, like the people who are like, you know, oh, gay men, blah, gay men, you know, you're gay and you need to go to church and God, 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 God. Are they not the same people, in your opinion, who are actually going home and watching lesbian porn and they're okay with that? Probably. I don't know. I, I, I really well, am. What's, what's really going on in the homes of these people that they. Well, they... The question that keeps coming up to me, because like the, there's governments that are really trying to eliminate the transgender community. It's really. So I just ask, you know, why? Would Hitler want to get rid of the Jews? This, this to me is exactly where we're at right now. It is pure hatred and elimination. It, 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 like Sarah has no impact in your life unless you are in Sarah's life. She has no impact. It, it's in it's life. insane what the media. I is have no impact this. in your life. So I mean, if you don't care, if you don't care about me because I'm, you know, the aforementioned blondish, blue-eyed, you know, white straight guy. I have no impact on your life unless you and I are in each other's, you know, absolute inner circle. Well, same applies to Sarah. Why does it matter? I don't understand. And what is the fear? What is the fear? And well, I mean, in the, in the athletics, I, I understand why they're like, well, you know, we don't want you stealing from women basically. And we can, we've already had a bit of that conversation, but the con conversation continues, but what the media is doing to create this and generate this hate and discrimination is insane. Did I send you that link to a, a post made on Instagram about uh, talking about the, how the media was saying transgender woman beats out 14,000 uh, women in a race. No, I don't she think came like 6,000, 6,000 and something th place in the race, but they didn't say that. No, no. It makes it sound like she came in first. To the point where people were screaming to give back her medal, a participation medal <laughs> that she got for yeah. being 6,100th place. By the way, the, the only awards I ever won in gym were participation. <laughs> I would pick you first for any of my dodgeball teams. <laughs> no, no, yeah, I'm the first one out in dodgeball every single time. <laughs> I, I just, I just, I don't understand the fear, the hate, and you know, and and I see it all the time. You know, like like drag queens are under attack. You know, and and like I said, mm -hmm. I've dabbled in drag. I've done it like twice. Okay, I'm not a drag queen. I've done it twice, and I was terrified to do it because I didn't want my friends in the in in the gay community because that's predominantly a gay community thing. I didn't want them feeling like I was you know, um, taking on something that I shouldn't be taking on, but overwhelmingly they said, are you kidding? This is for everybody. Go and do it. So I see, you know, I'm, I'm very sensitive and look, if all you've seen is one video of a drag queen in a room and there's a child putting a $10 bill in that drag queen's G string, if that's your only understanding of drag, I get why you have this fear, but let me answer the meme that I keep seeing on Facebook every now and then. I'm sure you see it too. You know, we need to start question. You know, instead of instead of questioning why children need to be entertained by drag queens, maybe we start need to start asking the question: Why do drag queens feel the need to entertain children? And I just find that attitude so repulsive. Okay, why do magicians feel the need to entertain children? Why do clowns 
feel the need to entertain children? Why do puppeteers feel the need to entertain children? The answer is simple. Children are freaking awesome. Mm-hmm. And they're fun to entertain and their reactions are, and you know what? A drag queen to a child is nothing more than someone who's dressed up in an overly exaggerated Right. Mm-hmm. Right. I, you know, the, this attack yeah. on that is crazy. When you consider how many priests have done some very bad things and hey, nobody's attacking the churches. I'm not religious, but I believe in my version of God. But when I, you know, I, I have these comparisons pop up into my, my head. Sorry, I don't know where they come from. But hey, that just came into my mind. It's like, why, why are, the, you know, something's not adding up here. I have said that before, and I would love for you to correct me or, or not correct me if I'm wrong, but certainly like your opinion on this. When I try and explain it from, you know, all that I learned from these conversations, people don't pick how they're oriented. They don't, they don't pick like, like, like Sarah, Sarah always knew she was Sarah, even when she couldn't be Sarah. She knew. My name was Sarah since I've been a kid. And I want to get to how you pick that name. But um, my question is this, is it, is it really as simple? The analogy that I use, is it really as simple as, it's no different than if you're looking at a container of Neapolitan ice cream and there's chocolate and there's vanilla and there's strawberry for some inherent reason, you're drawn to one of those flavors before the others. It's not that the others are bad, but you are naturally programmed somehow to be oriented towards one of them. Is it really that simple? Well, I used to use colors. Like what's your favorite color? Why is orange your favorite color? Did you pick it to be your favorite color or was it just your favorite color? Why? Why? What was the psychology? I'd like to understand why your favorite color is orange. It just is. (laughs) Another question, by the way. And and again, uh, if you've got a question, uh, 613-604-6464. I know Sarah has a a card game uh, that she needs to get to with her daughter in a little (laughs) bit. And I don't want to keep you any past nine o'clock. I I asked you for two hours and we're almost at the point. So let's get these questions in. Sarah's written a book. Um, and she'll pick somebody who asked a question and you're getting an autographed copy. It is available on Amazon. Again, the book is called not born this way. Right. All right. So here's the question for this person who's texted in. Uh, I can't call. I'm using my phone for the live. Uh, what advice would you give your younger self being who you are today? I would, I would not touch it. I wouldn't go back. I wouldn't say anything. I would let it play out which is kind of what happened. So you're saying then that this was as it should have been. It was as, as it should have been. I mean, I could have like, I've had these thoughts of like, imagine I knew that it was that I, you know, what, what if I went back and said, do it, this is who you are. Stop denying it. What would I have gone through through high school? Would I have even made it through with all those rednecks and stuff? I wouldn't have my children. I wouldn't change a thing. I really wouldn't change a thing. If anything, I would go give myself a hug. And say, no matter what, you're loved. I love you. Love yourself. You're worth it. You're amazing. Never question it. Never doubt it. The person who texted in, by the way, is upset that I didn't use their name. I'm allowed to use their name. Yay. <laughs> Thank you, Barb. Appreciate you a lot. Sarah, in the final minutes that we've got here, and and I'm so grateful for this conversation. And thank you for choosing to have it with me. I I I, I appreciate that beyond words. Um but this is not indifferent to the conversations I'm having in my BTRV for mental health. And I want to find out first off, where are you today? You're married again. Yes. No, no. I 
I'm oh. divorced okay. again. <laughs> All right. My apologies. I misunderstood that. No. Um, okay. okay. So I was but, married to to a man who I'm I'm still friends with. We're actually still very close friends. We speak regularly. Okay. Okay. Yeah. We just so it was a COVID marriage. He's from Florida, and it was to get him up to Canada. And if that what we wouldn't, I don't think we ever would have gotten married if that wasn't the case. Because we we realized that we. You know, it was three years we were together and just it, okay. we weren't supposed to be. So I apologize. I was I was wrong on that. I thought okay. I had read something that, you know, you would you would, you know, um, I'll learn to forgive you one day. One day. Yep. I will. OK. All right. <laughs> um, the lineup forms where to the left, the right. <laughs> <laughs> where do people apply for the job? Sarah? Join, join, the, join the line. Yeah. <laughs> um, do they have to be good at pickleball? Is that a qualification? I mean, it's it's becoming one. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's something that it's my life. I mean, between my kids and pickleball, that is, that takes up all my time and these calls obviously and friends and stuff, but pickleball is life. Hashtag that pickleball is life. Pickleball is life. I think Barb has a little crush. She's uh, <laughs> the fact that she's single right now. <laughs> I am straight, but I will entertain you, Barb. There you go. <laughs> Sonia says, having Sarah as a friend, acquaintance, Sonia! mentor, will only be an asset and a blessing in anyone's life. You're amazing. See, Sonia has been on my friends list for a long, long time. Sarah, uh, Sonia, awesome. but it's just, it is incredible how many people, you know, have been around and, and just, again, the universe put you or me in your path, you in my path, for some reason it was meant to be. And I've really appreciated this conversation, but um, as I always end things on my podcast for mental health, and it, this applies here, I, I think I'll throw this up on my podcast channel. What, what keeps you hopeful today, Sarah? What keeps me hopeful? Yeah. Just the fact that I have a life. I mean, when you think of the, all the different combinations of DNA sequences and genes to become who you are. Like it's a lottery. It's a lottery of all lotteries. The fact that I get to wake up, look out my window, see the sun, see that like there's so many opportunities for joy and happiness. I mean, I am the bunny. I am hopping along and I am jumping on every opportunity that I have to enjoy this existence. You know, I, I, I've spent a lot of time asking why, why am I here? What is the point of all of this? And the only thing that I can really come up to uh, is, is to just experience it. It's just to be in the moment, be present with what's in front of you. So I have two eyes. I have the ears that I can look around and take in so much beauty and joy and color and, and smells. And that is all I need to be grateful for my life. There was a moment in my life where I was a victim and I hated life and I hated everything. And I was just, I didn't take responsibility for my life. I thought it was because of all the people who turned their backs, I mean, God cursed me and, and all this stuff. And I remember the moment that it really shifted was when, when I remembered to be grateful. And I'm in this bedroom, it had bed bugs and it was in just above ghetto townhome. And I'm a single mom of two, they're young. I just, I, I'm recovering from surgery. This was at that time. And I was on welfare and just life sucked. And I'm like, I need to find my gratitude because this is not a way to live. This is not what I want for my kids. I want my kids to, to come up and see a powerful mother that can give them the tools and the support to create incredible women in life. And the first thing I looked up and I saw my, my doorknob of my bedroom. I'm like, okay, let's practice this. I am grateful for that doorknob. Why am I grateful for it? It started with a doorknob? Started with a doorknob. And you, you, you somehow had the intestinal fortitude. To, to see that and go, yeah. this is my starting point. It was the starting uh, point. Sarah. It's so funny. Sarah, 
and it hit so hard. The first thought that just rushed into my head was because every single morning your daughters open that doorknob to come and love you. I was like, oh my God. I hated that bedroom with a passion. And at that moment, I got to look around and their art's on the wall. I get to look at their art every day and know that they're with me. And I just looked around the whole room and I found my happiness in the gratitude of just looking at what was in front of me, getting out of my mind and all the shit storm that was happening based off of all the life that was and the what ifs and my future, this, my past, that. In the moment, I was so present with a fucking doorknob <laughs> and I just started bawling. I mean, I'm laughing at it. It's not, <laughs> not funny, funny, but it's, it's pretty. That's incredible. There. You know, yeah. the doorknob. I, I just, I love the imagery of that. And, and I love how it speaks to just, you know, you, you just, you get to the bottom, you get to the bottom and one of two things is going to happen at the bottom, right? You're going to stay there and never get to the top again, or you're going to bounce. And holy shit, have you bounced? I mean, you are the pickleball. You bounce. <laughs> weird, wonderful I'm the bunny. <laughs> Different ways. The fact that you found your way to pickleball is absolutely incredible. Um, I, 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 I said I would ask you this question. I, I, for, I forgot just as you were talking. It sort of popped into my brain. Oh, yeah, stupid. You forgot to ask her. Why Sarah? Ah, uh, yes. I don't know. But as a kid, I would hear someone go, hey, Sarah. And I would look. And I was like, wait, wait. No, no. That's not you. And I, I never chose it. I never, ever chose that name. Nope. You've disappeared from the screen, but we can hear you just fine. It, It's like it chose me. Um, that's it's as lame and weird as that sounds. Um, I just always identified with the name Sarah as young as I can remember. It was just my name. Isn't that interesting? <sighs> it's a trip. And based on, this would be my final question. Based on the number of Sarahs I've known in my life, you had a choice to either put the H on the end. <laughs> Why did you opt I love you, John. Oh, You're awesome. I love you too. You're fun. I'm too lazy for an extra letter. <laughs> <laughs> I got shit to do. Don't get in the way of my These are ill. <laughs> <laughs> that is so amazing. Sarah, I, I, I thank you for wanting to have your first official. I know you've had plenty of conversations. If people are not following you on Facebook and social media, they absolutely should. Um, your life coaching is second to none. Um, your pickleball is just fun. And you just, you know, the way you talk about life and, and you know, the reality of it and the way you break this down um, so simply and matter of factly, I, I think is so wonderful and we need more of this. And um, uh, the, the universe obviously wants Sarah and I to wrap it up because they're, <laughs> You know, the image goes away. The audio goes away. The image comes back. The audio oh goes back. God. Where do people connect with you on social media, Sarah, please? So I would say that Facebook is, you know, my main platform. I guess we're going to the old camera. <laughs> so Facebook is my my main platform, but I'm working with a YouTube YouTuber who is a, a major 
gay, lesbian, bisexual, transgender ally, and he rides motorcycles, and he's got a big following based off of, you know, a video he did where a cop pulled a gun on him, and then he created this big story and influence. A lot of people follow him on Facebook, and he did this video about how he went from uh, transphobe to trans ally, um, and his parents actually know me and they connected us and he's like you are incredible and he wants he wants me to piggyback his influence so he's teaching me how to do shorts and reels and stuff and he's working he's been crafting for the past week and a half a video about me where he's also gonna um uh talk to me but he's putting all these videos because i go live on facebook very often um so now youtube's i'm i'm i've unprivatized some of my old videos so you can see oh wow old, old me past life me really Yep. That's brave as hell. Yeah, yeah, it, it's it's interesting. It's different. I what's, um what's it like to go back and see that again? Because I know very, it's like yeah, watching watching movies, you know, here's Christmas 1982. It's weird. It's weird. Um <laughs> I sound very different. <laughs> I look very different. Um right. that that side of me I left behind. I, I left it, I privatized everything and I had a big following. Um I even was on a reality TV show. I don't know if I told you that, but uh, I, I manifested. No, that'll uh, be conversations two, three, four, and five. <laughs> we'll bring it up on the next one. But yeah, um, so he's helping me do stuff on YouTube. And I, I put some TikTok videos out. It's got the, the, my first one that I just did about all this has uh, over 6,000 views and tons of lovely comments. Tons of lovely comments. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so TikTok, I'm on TikTok, YouTube, Instagram. Facebook. Facebook's my main platform. I try to go live almost every every day to kind of bring people along this journey and just let them get to know me. I'm not here to fight and be this like hardcore activist and stuff. I just want people to get to know me so they can not hate me. And actually, not everyone has a Sarah in their life. Not everyone's lucky enough to have someone who they can learn this stuff from. Right. So I love that. I love that. Yeah. And I I'm right up there amongst your biggest fans, Sarah. Um, yeah. You're just so real and we need more real and we, and, and we just need more open and honest conversations about this. So um, one of these days I'm going to meet face to face. I'm going to get that hug from you that we've talked about. So um, I'm, I am squishy. I am unbelievably squishy. I don't see us playing pickleball anytime soon. So I'm sorry to let you down on that, but um, from the bottom of my heart, really sincerely, um, thank you for, for wanting to be part of this. Thank you for getting me back to conversations, to talks. Um, and, and let's do more of these. Yeah, Barbara's saying that we need more of these conversations. Sonia says she looks forward to us two chatting again. Um, so let's do this again. Sarah Weiss uh, on Facebook. Uh, the book again is called? Not Born This Way. And you said you're going to pick your favorite question and award somebody an autographed copy of the book. Easy what was your favorite question you got tonight? It was how you can best support your friend. All right. That was Graham. Graham, Graham. I will put you in touch if you're not Let's already. All right. Sarah Weiss, thank you. Go play war with your kids. Remember, let them win. No. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want to. I, I, I don't want to take away their opportunity to lose. <laughs> they, need, they need that lesson. <laughs> I knew that you, the listener, viewer, would enjoy this conversation. I really hope you did. It's called Talks with John Milky, Sarah Weiss. Um, much love. Thank you again very, very much. I love you all so much, John. You're the best. Thank you for having me. For more information on the BTRV for mental health, find us online at blasttheradio.com. Click on the events tab to find out where we'll be and when. We'd love to have a conversation with you about your bumps.
in the road. This is the Milkman, John Milky. Move for now.